Today is the final episode of our Nature Study Q&A series. Karen Smith has been so good about sharing her experiences and great ideas with us, and I'm sure she'll have some more good ideas for us today. Let's dive into the question. Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Today, Karen Smith is joining me here in the studio. Karen, this is our last episode on the Nature Study Q&A, and it's a really good question that basically centers around, am I doing enough? So let me read it to you so you get all the details. I've always wanted to do nature study, but every time I try to formally add it to our schedule, it flops. There are times where it happens naturally, such as when we collect monarch eggs in the spring. These are times we enjoy, and they don't feel forced at all. We've learned so much about monarchs by observing them year after year. We also notice when certain trees around our home bloom, when specific insects emerge for the year, etc. But I really want to start recording what we learn. Is this enough? Or should I make a greater effort to have my children, and maybe myself, record our observations? How should I do this without making it feel like a chore for them? So, is this mama doing enough? She's doing plenty. (laughs) Talk about that. What do you mean? Well, her children are informally and naturally connecting with nature. And that is one of the hardest things to achieve in our children for nature study is that love for being out in nature. That's true. I mean, you could schedule it and drag them out there kicking and screaming every week, and that's not going to do nearly as much as what this mama is enjoying with her children. Correct. Her children are doing it naturally, and so that puts them way ahead of other children who maybe it's just not something they enjoy at this time. Mm. So enjoying being out in nature is a a huge, huge step. Yes, yes. To nature study. If her children are doing regular, informal, natural nature study, there may not be any need to make a scheduled time. It's natural for them. They're making the connections. Now, you said if they're doing, you used like three adjectives. I want to make sure we got those. If they're doing regular, regular. I think that's very important. Yes. It, it's not just every now and then. And it doesn't have to be every day or every week, but regularly. It could be twice a month. There are opportunities but they're naturally drawn to it. I think that's the key. And probably the frequency is going to change depending on the season. Yes. Where, according to where you live, potentially. Yes. Okay, so regular, what was the second adjective? Informal. Informal. Meaning it wasn't scheduled for them to go out and look at something. It was, it was just, look at these monarch eggs or look yes. at these caterpillars. Let's, yeah. Yes. Okay, and what was the third adjective? Natural. Naturally. So they... They seem to be doing that. It's just a part of their life, really. And that's what we wanted. That's the goal. That is. So, okay. All right, good. So that's good. Now, if you feel a need to schedule, there may be some reasons for doing that. Maybe she has one or more children that do need to have 
nature study scheduled. Maybe some are naturally drawn to it and they do it whether it's scheduled or not. But there's another child who needs it on the schedule. That's a good point. It's okay to do that. Okay. Sometimes we are drawn to the same things over and over again. So you might have a child who's only interested in watching the insects or one who is um, enjoying just the flowers that are planted. And that's the only things that they look at. Sometimes you might want to schedule it so that you broaden what they are looking at. <laughs> there are so many nature study topics out there. So make sure that they are getting more than just a few of them. Yeah, a wide variety yes. is good. And that might be a good reason to schedule in, in addition to the regular informal natural stuff yes. they're doing. Yes. You might want to schedule something to branch out. Yes. I like that idea. We'll give them a little nudge into an area they might not have thought of. Yes. Yes. Now, you don't always have to record what you have seen in nature or heard or touched or experienced in any way. I was never taught to do that. Most of my nature knowledge has not been recorded in a book. Wow, that's something. Because you have so much knowledge and you've been doing this for so many years. But it's not necessarily, you don't have like 25 nature notebooks at No, home. I do not. Uh, two reasons. First, I was taught to take the time to make the connection. And those connections stay with you. And second, I don't like to journal. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more of a hindrance than a help to you if you had to record yes. something. Yes. But what when you say make a connection, explain what you mean. A mental connection or an emotional connection with this thing? Or what do you mean by connection? Either of those or both. Usually it's something that we observe that we hadn't noticed before. And for me, that kind of gets filed away with the other information that I know. And it's hard to explain how that happens, but children who are naturally drawn to nature don't have a problem with making those connections on their own. So It sounds, it sounds like what we encourage our children to do and what Charlotte encouraged us to do is the, the education is the science of relations. Yes. That you're making a personal relation with this thing. It's not just, oh, I know the name of that, but it's, it's like a part of me now. It's my own possession now. Yes, yes, so, exactly. Okay. And that can be done in different ways. Maybe it's a mental one. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's both. Maybe you're just very interested in it and you, and you had questions when you started observing it. So just all of those things can come together for anybody. So they may be making connections and forming relations even if they aren't recording those. Yes. Now, there are ways that you can enjoy capturing those connections in a tangible way. As an adult, I started keeping a calendar of firsts, and I really enjoy that. Now explain what that is for people who don't know. Yes, a calendar of firsts is when you record the first time that you see something. Let me give you an example. The first time that we pick asparagus in our garden, what day did that happen this year? I will write that on the calendar. 
what was the first day that we had a frost in the fall? I'll write that on the calendar. So things like that. When did the hummingbirds return? Those types of things. And I keep, you know, keep the ones that interest you. Mm. What interests me, picking asparagus when the hummingbirds return, might not be things that you are watching. But then I get a wall calendar. I like to have the picture on my wall. And I record those on that calendar. So just in that little square. In the this little isn't square. Some big elaborate thing. Oh no! All I all I will write is um, first asparagus. Twenty twenty three when we pick it this spring. And that's it. When I get the new calendar for the next year, I take my old calendar, and I transfer all of those dates. I pencil them in. From previous new, years. Right, so new ones are in ink. Ah. Previous years are in pencil. Okay. And so I keep a record from year to year, and I transfer them to the new calendar. So asparagus, we might have picked, you know, I'm, I'm just going to post some dates. Okay. May 5th in 2019. And then in 2020, we picked it on May 7th. When are we going to pick it this year? Well, that will go on the calendar in ink. The others are in pencil. So as you keep this calendar first year after year after year and you transfer those dates, you can see when these things are going to start to happen. And you can, ha you can look for them. I have a pretty good idea now when hummingbirds are going to return to my area, when we're going to pick that first asparagus, when we're going to have our first frost or our first snowfall all those types of things because I've kept a record over years and it takes very little of my time to write that on the calendar. When you first started talking about every year you transfer all the previous years onto this one, in my efficiency side kind of went, oh, isn't there a more efficient way to do that so I don't have to recopy it every year? But the more I listen to you describe it, the more it's like, no, there's a purpose in the recopying. Yes. It makes you look for relations and notice it more closely when those events are happening. Yes. So that's a brilliant idea. I love that. And it's very simple, and it's a way to make a connection. Now, there are creative ways that you can record things. There is the standard, let your children pick out a sketchbook or a blank journal and allow them to record in it, like you would a nature journal, I mean the usual way. Mm -hmm. If they pick it out, maybe they will record in it. But there are other ways. Some children enjoy making videos of what they're seeing. The monarch butterflies, the eggs to butterfly that they have observed year after year. Have you tried filming those parts? That would be interesting, especially if you could end up with a time lapse of your yes. own making. Yes. So there's that. They can take photos. Maybe a child likes to scrapbook. They could scrapbook about the life cycle of the butterfly or a favorite tree in the different seasons. So just different ideas of how you can be creative in capturing those experiences in a more tangible way than just in your head. 
And we've talked about the butterflies um, throughout this episode, but I know we did a previous episode with some other project, if you will, nature yes. study project ideas. So we'll leave a link to that in the show notes yes. in case other ideas and need to be we shared. We did do an episode on a review of a naturalist notebook that has um, good information on nature study, some good tips, and also has a calendar of firsts in it. Oh, yes, yes. And that's a multi-year calendar of firsts. Yes, in, yes. I believe it's five journal. years. Yeah, yes. nice. So we'll leave a link to that as well. Great. Any other ideas for this parent and for other parents who are wondering if they're doing enough? Enjoy watching your children in nature and the connections that they're making and continue encouraging them to make those natural connections. Thank you. That wraps up our series on Nature Study Q&A. I hope it's been as helpful and encouraging to you as it has been to me. If you've missed any of the episodes, check the show notes for links, and I'll see you next time.